When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Second Print Nation, back to the Second Print Comics Podcast. I am your host, Marvelous Mark Claire, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, the Ramblin' Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what a shaking. We are just, I mean, it's its seven different types of awesomeness over here. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to some of the people that recently joined us on Patreon. Jacob, Lindsay, Eric, Anthony, everyone else. I mean, the, the stuff you guys are doing is helping us put content straight back into this show. And I mean, with the bonus content we've been putting out, I hope that we've been giving you value for your time and your money on this. Everything goes back into providing you the best content as often as possible not only have we been doing rants we've been doing a bonus commentary on stuff that's going on we've been sending out graphic novels to people we're still doing our x-men giveaway at the time of recording for anyone that joins at any level before october 1st or or leaves us a five-star rating interview on itunes this is like I, I, I've, I've worked on many projects, Mark. I've done many things like this before, but none have been as energetic as this. It just fills me with hope every day that what we're doing, people actually genuinely like. So that, that's all I've got. That is an important thing when it comes to a podcast, that the people listening actually do like it. So uh, all of the feedback has been positive so far. Feel free to send us any kind of feedback, even negative. We will take criticism as well. But of course, the positive positive criticism, we only want to see that on uh, on the Apple Podcast Reviews. If you have negative criticism, you can just uh, give that to us in private. But you can reach out to us in many ways on social media. You can find us pretty much everywhere at Second Print Pod uh, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, and uh, you can also email us now, secondprintcomics at gmail.com. So many ways to reach out. And like Remzo mentioned, you can also send us a screenshot of those five-star reviews uh, to get a copy of X-Men number one, the of the very rare, the very valuable X-Men number one. But we do have, we managed to track down a few copies somehow. <laughs> they're like Weimar Republic bills. I mean, they're just everywhere and they're basically worthless. But can you even measure that sentimentality? No, but I do predict that the value of that comic book will increase as uh, this podcast grows, as we become huge celebrities in and outside of the comic book community, and as it points back to the fact that that was our very first episode, was breaking down that first X-Men storyline. So I think the value will rise uh, over time. because oh, people are, absolutely. You know, I'm sure over the years, a lot of people have, you know, maybe they've been a little cold in the winter, they toss a few of their X-Men copies uh, into the fire just to get some extra warmth, and I'm sure the actual supply, the original supply of whatever it was i think seven million copies that sold uh has been dwindling over the years and somewhat so between that and uh our increased popularity which is just obviously going to be skyrocketing through the moon uh I, I really don't see any way that this is not the best deal in town you get a free copy just for just for giving us a little praise or for signing up on our patreon by uh we said october 1st yep and you're getting a ton with just patreon alone as somebody said they almost feel like they're stealing from us of the amount of value we're giving 
That is almost true. If we weren't offering it to them directly, I would call it almost stealing our time because we do put a lot of time. You've been killing it uh, just doing all sorts of Remzo rants on all sorts of things. We put out all of our content, all of our episodes early for our patrons. And uh, we've also, thanks to you guys uh, donating so early, we've been able to invest a little more time into the website. And uh, we've also started doing reviews on the site. I reviewed, I've started reviewing the Maestro series, uh, Batman 3 Joker series. Uh, Remzo tossed in a review of uh, the new Green Latin Earth 1 volume two so we've been not just sticking to the podcast now you can also find us doing sporadic comedy co- comedy well sometimes a comedy but comic book reviews again you can find all of that over at secondprintcomics.com with that being said remzo i think it's time to get into today's today's tale because it's a big one let's do it all right well today we are going to look at the gigantic mega crossover from marvel comics from 1993 that spanned all four plus a bonus new um, spider-man book they created just for this and that is of course maximum carnage uh this was an era of course in the early 90s when especially marvel i mean i guess dc as well i could say yeah i think dc is just as just as uh, accountable here they had four superman books and they were uh weaving in that through those books all through the doomsday storyline that led to the death of superman we saw the same thing in the batman books uh with the uh, how the you know bane breaks his back during nightfall and uh so now we're going to see the same thing from marvel comics uh they've been doing this kind of thing with x-men and now with spider-man where they have storylines that proceed from book to book to book so there's four monthly books for Spider-Man, but if you want to follow this storyline, and it's pretty brilliant because it worked, at least worked in the short term, even though it probably led to some burnout. Not probably. I mean, it definitely is one of the factors that led to burnout uh, on a lot of this stuff later on in the 90s, but at the time, it certainly did lead to uh, increased sales across all titles in these storylines, and uh, Maximum Carnage was no exception. Uh, This storyline featured... The uh, relatively new at the time villain, Carnage, who grew out of the other previous villain, Venom, who is now more of an anti-hero than, a ven- than, than an actual villain of Spider-Man at this point. Uh, but essentially, this tale weaves through so many insane characters and uh, cameos and appearances that it becomes hard to keep track of. Um, and we're going we're gonna to kind of cover that. But the point of this storyline, essentially. I mean, a lot of the editors at Marvel say, we were just trying to create a good story. Mm, I don't know if I totally buy that, uh, doing a 14-part crossover that spanned uh, spanned 14 weeks. And it's the kind of thing where if you were going to go in, if you were a guy who liked Spider-Man, and maybe you just started reading uh, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man when it first came out, that was a big deal. Maybe you just stuck with that one title. Well, now, if you want to follow this storyline, and, and they didn't really even recap too much in these books. I mean, you had to pretty much read every single book if you wanted to. That was Marvel's strategy. Marvel strategy i'd say again in the short term at least was pretty successful but um before we get into this into the actual story remzo had you read maximum carnage before obviously you're familiar with it because it's become so big in pop culture uh it spawned a game it spawned a theme park i mean it spawned a theme park attraction it spawned spawned so many uh different sort of uh pop culture references throughout so i'm sure you've heard of it but have you had you ever read it through before now I had, and honestly, the first time I was ever introduced to this was when it was on the N64 console. They actually made a direct video game. It was a side-scroller action where you could play as a Spider-Man or Venom, and uh, that that got me into it. I read it some at some point in the early 2000s, and uh, my gosh, it's it, it's really one of the only major Spider-Man-centric events that actually brought in many of the Marvel heroes we saw. So this was really my, uh, outside of the Spider-Man the Animated Series cartoon, this was really one of my first experiences seeing Spider-Man actually 
regularly team up with other heroes. And uh, team up he does indeed here. And uh, I'm going to try to do a little breakdown now. You would think that trying to break down 14 issues of a series here uh, in review form would be a nearly impossible task. However, it was just four mere episodes ago that I actually, I did the math. I recapped 24 issues. Uh, no, actually, it was 21. Yeah, 24 issues of Savage Dragon in uh, less than 90 minutes. So I think 14 now seems like nothing. So uh, There you go. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to bounce through every issue, hit on the key uh, key events of each one, and uh, you know we'll take things where they go from there, as we often do here at the Second Print Comics Podcast. So we begin in a brand new title. Spider-Man Unlimited, number one. This one's uh, written by Tom, DeF- Tom DeFalco with art by one of the L-Boys, Ron Lim. Of course, the L-Boys were uh, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Ron Lim, and Eric Larson. And if you guys are have listened to all to Rob Liefeld's podcast, Rob's Revations, you have heard his Todd McFarlane expression where he describes the L-Boys. Um, and I'm sure you've heard that one, Rem. Bud! Oh, it's the L-Boys! <laughs> Liefeld, Lim, Larson, Lee. The L-Boys. That was a really good impression of Rob Liefeld's impression of Todd McFarlane. Very impressed. I could only watch that so many times. And by so many times, I mean not enough. <laughs> you can tell that Rob really enjoys doing impersonations and somewhat mockingly so, probably more than somewhat, of Todd McFarlane. <laughs> and I, I really do joy, and we'll, we'll get into this very soon because we're going to be looking at the entire Image Comics re- revolution. But I enjoy, especially from Rob Liefeld, because he seems to kind of toss, toss shade at a lot of the other Image guys often. And I, I just enjoy it. It almost seems like not really, it never seems too much like there's too much venom behind a lot of it but it seems like you know these guys aren't necessarily best friends but they're they're maybe family members that can still give each other shit from time to time much like the spidey's extended family that's what we'll be hearing from in this episode but spider-man unlimited number one kicks off with carnage who uh they believe i guess the last time that carnage was rampaging and captured uh they believed that they killed the symbiote so now this is just cletus cassidy uh the the serial killer cletus cassidy who carnage was born into when he shared a cell with eddie brock back in the day aka venom of course uh but this begins with carnage breaking out of ravencroft he goes on a big rampage and uh, it turns out we don't really understand why yet but the symbiote didn't actually die it was somehow sort of living in cletus cassidy's blood or something like that and he is of course alive he rampages through ravencroft uh at the same time we intercut with some scenes from harry osborne's funeral because just before this uh spider-man had uh he didn't intend to murder him but as uh, as often as spider-man never intends to do as will be a theme throughout this but harry osborne aka the original green goblin did die in the comic books uh in this one i'm sorry not harry osborne norman but by this time harry is also dead so basically if your name is osborne and you ever ever touch the color green you're you're dead by this point wait no this was harry's funeral at the time right so now they're both yeah. dead how shakespearean uh, but yeah harry was not the original green goblin he, yes he was the son of said Green Goblin. And we also get to see a little shot of Little Normie, who is uh, Little Normie Osborne, who is Harry's son, who uh, is not thrilled with the situation. But, you know, in fairness, his dad just died who with the Green Goblin. So it's got to be a tough, tough thing over at the Osborne house. Uh, but as Carnage escapes from Ravencroft, he encounters and recruits Shriek, who is um, basically just like a goth chick who seems to be able to shoot some sort of a sonic blast of some kind out of her hands. So that's exciting. And uh, as they leave, Carnage and Shriek also encounter this Spider-Man doppelganger. 
And uh, they basically use this doppelganger to then attack Spider-Man because now that Carnage is out, he wants to, of course, go after uh, go after his old old nemesis who helped to capture him in the first place, Spider-Man. Um, and the Spider-Man doppelganger, I guess, something that appeared uh, in the Infinity War and I guess kind of stuck around for a little bit after this. Um, so then uh, towards the end of this episode, there's a little battle there. Uh, they kind of split up. Spider-Man gets hurt. Um, and at the end, Carnage shows up in J. Jonah Jameson's office. Um, and that is the ending shot. I really enjoyed the, actually the last um, shot in the scene here, the last panel here where, where Carnage is just kind of enveloping J. Jonah Jameson and you don't really know exactly what he's going to do. But um, Carnage, I think the one thing that stands out to me here is like Carnage is such a, he really is truly like a horror movie type villain. I mean, he is one villain when then when you see him on the pages there, I mean, he seems frightening. He seems like a truly scary, scary villain. And I, I think that really comes across throughout. There are many villains, villains in the comic book world uh, to with you know different levels of scariness uh, from the killer shrikes of the world who are not all that frightening uh, to I would say at the extreme other end, Carnage is probably on the end of absolute scariest villains who's really his motivation is to create Carnage, is to create death and destruction. And uh, you know, he has not not much more rationale behind that, which of course makes him in many ways much more frightening than a Doctor Doom or a Magneto who have real motivation that you can figure out that you may you can maybe even use that motivation to find a way to combat them intellectually. You're not going to do that with Carnage. You're going to have to defeat Carnage because he don't care. He just wants to kill. I mean, the thing about him is like, and we've talked about this before, if like Dr. Doom and Magneto, they're bad guys, but they're not like terrifying bad guys. And I mean, certainly they don't go around killing civilians, whereas Carnage well, he's like the Mike Myers of the Marvel Universe, except he won't shut up. He just murders people uh, indiscretionally, like all the time. And that's what makes him so, so random and so terrifying. It's the fact that he is more than capable of doing stuff that even a lot of the higher tier villains of, uh, of the comic book world aren't willing to do. Because I don't think I've ever seen like I, I've never seen Doctor Doom just blatantly murder a random person. Whereas with Carnage, he seems to do that all the freaking time. Yep. That's pretty much all he does is, is murder random people. Um, so we move on now to Web of Spider-Man number 101. This is part two of the story written by Terry Cavanaugh and Alex Savlick. And here we uh, we meet up with Cloak and Dagger. Uh, they're helping out Spider-Man who's trying to stop some some of these punks that are sort of taking advantage of uh, the aftermath of Spider-Man's battle with Shriek and Doppelganger. Uh, meanwhile, Mary Jane is com- comforting Liz Osborne. And again, I, know, I make a note here that little Normie looks like an absolute evil bastard at the age of you know five or whatever he is. He's, uh, he's th- like the kid from The Omen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we then find out that J. Jonas- Jameson is going to reveal via uh, the, the Daily Bugle, right? Yeah. I always mix up the, the Bugle and the planet in Superman. Uh, the Daily Bugle, he's going to reveal that Carnage is actually, I think he actually goes on TV to talk about this, but uh, Carnage is back and he's looking for Spider-Man and Venom. So I guess Carnage intimidated J. Jonah Jameson in that office to basically put out this story so that he could try to lure Spider-Man and Venom into what we presume would be some sort of trap. 
Um, Cloak and Dagger are nursing Spider-Man here. He, he again, he got he seemed to injure his ribs in that initial battle uh, with a doppelganger. And uh, I'm going to give a little a little uh, red meat here to the wrestling fans that are listening to us on the North South Connection feed. This Spider-Man's rib injury reminds me of uh, Diamond Dallas Page in WCW in the late '90s. There was a storyline where Diamond Dallas Page injured his ribs while he was feuding with Macho Man Randy Savage, and this is a feud that went on for an entire year or over a year. This entire time, Diamond Dallas Page, every single match he had, he's got his ribs taped up, uh, he's nursing his ribs, he's selling the rib injury, and that, that just made me think of this uh, the Spider-Man, because throughout this entire crossover, they keep going back to Spider-Man being injured and, and he never being able to fully recover, uh, because as you'll see throughout the story, he never gets a break here. This thing just goes on and on, and every time he tries to go home and take a break, uh, you know, he has to go back out, and as, as soon as he's healed just a little bit, uh, he's got to go, and he's always nursing those ribs, so I thought that was uh, a funny little note to me, the, the, the constant emphasis on the rib injury of Spider-Man. What would you think about that? You know, these days, it, it, it's kind of funny you bring that up, because whenever Spider-Man, uh, I think, past 2001 gets injured, he's always getting a back injury, and uh, here's some useful knowledge you can totally bring up the next time you're going on a date with someone. Go ahead and mention that whenever Spider-Man gets injured these days, he's always getting his back injured, and the joke is that on the set of Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire almost broke his back almost so severely that he didn't come back to play Peter Parker in Spider-Man two. So that's why in a, in Spider-Man two or three, at some point when he's losing his powers, he falls and he's like, Oh, my back, my back. That's actually a joke on that. It became such a running joke that it found its way into the ultimate Spider-Man comics and then to the mainstream, amazing Spider-Man comics. So now he'll constantly joke about his, uh, you know, something bad happening with his back. Oh, in fact, they also mentioned it in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse when he gets hit by the drone, and he's like, ah, oh, my back. Yeah, it's it's where it all kind of starts. Well, I, I posture that it really started with the ribs here in Maximum, Maximum <laughs> It Carnage. did. It started with the ribs, moved to the back. <laughs> well, it just, it just sounds like Spider-Man is just hitting 40, because that's, that's kind of how things work with me now. All the pain starts somewhere, but it always gets to your back. Once you hit 40, the pain always gets to your back. I don't know why it is. Uh, so anyway, they're, they are nursing Spider-Man back to health, Cloak and Dagger. They're good kids. Um, when And Spider-Man, this is where Spider-Man references that, um, that the doppelganger basically came from the Infinity Wars, which is also basically going on right at this time, or I think right after this time. Uh, and that will be referenced later as a part of the reason that some of the teams are are not there uh, right now, because one big question in something crazy like this, what's going to happen? Like, why are the Avengers not all here to help? Why are the Fantastic Four not, not all here to help? But they do make some references later on that sort of explain that, at least. Because that, that always drives me crazy in, in comic books and even in movies where uh, you're just thinking, like, where is everybody else if this is so bad? Why is, like, why is only Batman dealing with this whole thing in Gotham City when you know this seems like it should be more of an issue. So um, let's see. They, Cloak also mentions, and we don't need to go in. There's too many characters for us to do deep dives on. Too many of them, but Cloak makes some passing reference to having something to do with Shriek's origin. So uh, I did not investigate that one any further. But who knows? Maybe somebody out there knows. I was not going to do that sort of research for this for this program. Nobody cares about Shriek. Nobody because cares about strikes. If when we're making five hundred dollars a month on Patreon, I will do more research into uh, obscure characters like this. That's that's a pledge. Um, but we, I do pledge to help to help spread the knowledge of the Killer Shrike because we must hashtag respect, respect the, Shrike. the Shrike. Respect the Shrike. If you don't get that reference, go. But you missed a few episodes. You might be a new fan. Go back to episode two, and then you will get the, the, the Shrike reference. 
Uh, let's see. But yeah, there's a little battle here. It's uh, it's kind of like the B characters, Cloak and Dagger, fighting off against um, uh, against the Shriek and Doppelganger Spidey. And then Carnage shows up, and as always, he is scary as fuck. Spider-Man goes right after Carnage as the side characters have their own battle. Uh, let's see. Carnage is, you're going to see this as a, as a running th- theme throughout is uh, Shriek and Carnage. They're sort of a, a couple, but they are a couple that is, is never quite happy with each other. Everyone knows that couple that's always arguing. And, and that is uh, Shriek and Carnage right there. They're usually arguing over who is going to kill who. Uh, in this, in this scene, Shriek takes out Spider-Man. So, um, Carnage gets pissed at her. He's like, wait, don't, don't try to kill Spider-Man. That's I'm, I'm here to kill Spider-Man. Like that's, he's mine. Um, at this point, you'll start to see this little mother-son relationship between Shriek and the doppelganger, who's sort of taken to her as sort of a motherly figure. And, and doppelganger intervenes here to protect Shriek from Carnage. He, he can't really talk or anything. He's more just like a, a, a protective dog here. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to mess with Mama because the, uh, the big bad pit bull is going to get in the way. Uh, we also see in this in this scene as they're fleeing, we see a little creature who I happen to know is the Demo Demo Goblin. Uh, oh, I always okay. We got we got we got figured this yeah, out. This I is always a, thought it was Demo Goblin. Oh, I mean, it, well, it might be, but it's like it's, like here's the thing though. I've heard it your way, and I've also heard it twenty other ways. I don't think anyone actually knows. I've always said Demo Goblin ever since I was a kid because basically, I did actually do a little research on the Demo Demo Goblin character, uh, but. His basic origin was that uh, he was some unnamed demon, and at some point his essence was fused with the Spider-Man villain, the Hobgoblin, um, and a bunch of stuff happened that I'm not going to go into. A lot of that took place uh, in in Moon Moon Knight and Ghost Rider, uh, but eventually these essences were split again, and but this demon took on sort of a lot of the persona and uh, a lot of the weapons, including exploding pumpkins of the Hobgoblin. Of course, Hobgoblin stole exploding pumpkins from the Green Goblin. So uh, there's all sorts of goblins in the Spideyverse, and they can be they can be tough to keep track of. So many goblins, so little time. I say Demo though, because it's demon. Demon I plus can, goblin. Yeah, let's that. You know, Demo Goblin makes me feel like I don't know, like Demolition Man plus a goblin. Sylvester Stallone is a True. goblin. That, that's what Demo Goblin is. True. All right, moving along here. Let's see. I lost my place in my notes with all this all this Demo Demo talk. Uh, also, Shriek kills Dagger. So that's sad. Cloak is very upset. I guess uh, they were lovers and um, partners and all of that. So, of course, we had a very tragic death in this episode now, uh, in this episode, in this issue. There you go. Uh, now, uh, Remzo, I don't know how attached to the character of Dagger you are, but as a longtime fan of comics and knowing how deaths also pa- also often pan out, were you at all emotionally struck by Dagger's death? I didn't even watch the Cloak and Dagger TV show when it was on. So that that can tell you how much I care about it. But ultimately, this death doesn't matter. Why, Mark? Why? Because comics. Because comics. Right. So Spoiler alert. You see, I don't mean to spoil all, You could see all the tears running down my face each time I see Dagger die. Contrast that with something we will discuss uh, in a few episodes, and that is the death of Superman, where, at least as a child, I really did feel that death because you felt attachment to the character. Eh, I doubt there's that many longtime Dagger fans that, that are that are reading this book, but let's see. But anyway, it does play into the storyline uh, later on. But for now, <laughs> spoiler alert for now, Dagger is dead. Uh, let's see. We also see Venom is uh, showing up, and uh, or he's he's battling some punks in the streets of San Francisco, I think. And then he sees this report on TV about Carnage being out, is having escaped, being in New York City, and, and looking for Spider-Man and Venom. So uh, it's implied that now Venom is going to head to New York and join the fray here. And in the next part, Amazing Spider-Man number three seventy-eight, he does just 
that. And uh, I just want to say here, the art the art is uh, on Amazing is by, at this time, uh, Mark Bagley, who took over from Todd McFarlane. And he is one of my favorite Spider-Man artists of all time. I think his his Venom in particular, both his Carnage and Venom, are just perfect. I mean, they both look just as awesome and scary as they should look, um, especially in the pages of, of these books, of these Spider-Man books in this run on Amazing. So uh, what do you think of Bagley here? Oh, I mean, he's he, he's my number one for Spider-Man. I'll just be straight. Ooh, wow. Because, no, he, he, he really is. Todd, well, even above Todd, because when I started reading comics, I started reading really the ultimate line from Marvel. And uh, Mark Bagley and Brian Michael Bendis on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, that is really my definitive Spider-Man. Uh, really, really, it, um, the, the way that he was able to add such a new flair to old characters, the way that he really showed Peter Parker's progression over time, because by the time we meet Peter Parker, I'm pretty sure he's like a freshman in high school. And by the time, and this is not a spoiler, by the time he dies in the ultimate comics, uh, he's just, uh, probably about a senior. So even though it's really four years spanned across like 14 years of publishing time, they really showed that age and that maturation with all the characters so i mean he, he he's he's drawn all my favorite versions venom morbius doc ock the giant hulking green goblin i mean his, his clone wars uh saga from ultimate spider-man 100 through 106 or something like that it's it, it's beautiful he he's my favorite spider-man artist bar none gotta say it all right, he's certainly up there for me. I haven't actually sat down and thought about it, but I mean, for me, it's uh, the triumvirate are, are, are all around the same time period of uh, Larson, uh, Bagley, and uh, I believe course, in you, McFarlane. McFarlane <laughs> himself. Oh, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Larson, Lim, Liefeld, Lee. Lee. I, 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 you do it better. I'm putting a weird. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound right coming out of me. You got. Yeah, remember he's Canadian, so you got to make the A's and the vowels seem kind of distorted. It's all good. But yeah, no, I think it has, I think for each of us, it, ha- it really has to do with when we got introduced to these characters. Well, yeah, and, that's yeah, that's what and, we'll see as a theme throughout this entire, that's basically the premise of our, this entire podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I love about doing this show is uh, that, you know, I'm not just getting to go back and reread things that I are, am fond of from childhood that I might not have necessarily carved out the time. I don't know if I would have carved out the time to reread Maximum Carnage just in my life if I wasn't doing this show. Um, so that's one half of it, but I also love being introduced to new things, and I'm really excited because I've never dove into it. I've read a couple stories here and there, but really barely touched the surface of the Ultimate Universe, and I know, that, oh, know that that's something you're going to... suck you in. Yeah, I know that's something you're going to bring me into at some point, so I'm looking forward to that. But for now, we return to this story. Um, Eddie Brock has shown up in New York. He's getting off an airplane. He's not messing around. He just immediately transforms into Venom. He, he doesn't give a shit. And uh, he's, he's b- battling the cops, and uh, he sets off to go find Carnage in New York City. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, some other stuff happens with Cloak. Uh, he kind of disappears and takes off. He's all depressed about Dagger. Um, and then Carnage, of course, uh, pretty much every issue, they have an argument about, who, about uh, something or other. But Carnage makes it very clear in a very threatening manner to Shriek that he is in charge. He is making the decisions here. Uh, Peter returns home with his injured ribs to Mary Jane, who's who's angry. He's very she's very angry at Peter that he didn't even try to take a break. He had, I guess he had agreed after the whole thing with Harry Osborn dying that he was going to take a break from being Spider Man, and let alone the fact that he just battled Carnage, one of the most like deadly villains he's ever encountered. And he's he's holding his ribs. She's busy bitching at him about not taking a break from being Spider Man, and this is another theme we'll be seeing throughout this. Did you could you not stand MJ throughout this whole thing like as much as I couldn't? I'll be straight with you. I've never, I've never really liked MJ. Yeah. 
Fair I've never I've never liked her. Like I, I feel like uh, Betty Brandt, Gwen Stacy, even Liz Allen. I feel like everybody but MJ is better for Peter. I feel like uh, Spider-Man's a better match with uh, with Black Cat, with Felicia Hardy, uh, you know, than, than MJ. L- literally anybody else. Any woman and, and maybe not just women, because I don't want to. I'm, I'm not on Team MJ. Me. I'm not on Team MJ. Yeah, if I ever was, it certainly is not is not in this series because, man, there's that this whole series there's just destruction, mayhem, death, and she's of course concerned about Peter. They're, but they're married at this point, right? Yeah, they're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they got married, all the fun got taken away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a lesson to you guys, kids out there. <laughs> Whoa. Or is it? Anyway, moving along. Peter says, uh, nope, he's got to go back out because Carnage is on a killing spree, which seems like a good reason. When you have powers to stop somebody, um, then you should probably go out and help. You know, that, that's basically the entire theme. <laughs> it's literally the entire theme and origin of Spider-Man. So, of course, he is going to try to stop Carnage, despite MJ's pleas to take a break. Uh, Carnage is, again, is just a, a really scary villain. He murders this innocent couple in a car. I mean, he is just a true horror movie villain with no motivation other than killing kill Killing. Uh, meanwhile, on his quest to go find him, Spider-Man, on the way, encounters the Demo Goblin. Demo Goblin. Uh, his bomb doesn't explode, but instead it re- releases this sort of, like, this stuff. It almost looks like the symbiote. It's like this this black goo that uh, envelops Spider-Man and then fades away. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, but uh, Venom hears hears this uh, and he hears the, the battle, but he then he's going to go check it out, but he then catches word um, of Carnage on a police dispatch. So he says, screw whatever's going on over there. I'm going to go find Carnage because that's what I care about. Uh, Spidey's in this whole battle. He saves this, uh, this like pastor, this preacher, uh, dodges a pumpkin bomb and the demon goblin flees. So he, throughout this whole thing, Spider-Man just keeps encountering these different villains that he's, he's running into, um, you know, as, as Carnage sort of builds his army at the same time. Um, Venom meets up with Carnage and he's ready to go after him, but he gets jumped by Shriek and the doppelganger. Of course, Venom did not realize that, uh, Carney had already started to form this little, this happy little murderous family here. Um, and then at the end of this one, after Peter goes back home, he can't find Carnage. Um, we and of course MJ is bitching at him again <laughs> about about going back out at Spider Man. So unlikable. Um, Eddie Brock as Venom appears. Uh, you know, he's, you can see it's Brock, but there's you know the Venom symbiote kind of half taken off. He appears injured in Peter's apartment because of course as uh, as a fellow symbiote wearer, uh, Eddie Brock knows exactly who, who Spider Man is. So. I found it interesting that he just showed up in, in Spider-Man's apartment, uh, despite the fact, despite their history, because at this point it's not really established that they're really friends or allies, allies in any way. So that was a a big a big leap of faith for Eddie to show up in in Peter Parker's uh, you know civilian apartment. Yeah, this is this is around the time where even Marvel's trying to figure out what to do with him, and I think this story arc is what really solidifies the I'll I'll say the the tension filled unwelcomed alliance between Venom and Spider-Man. And after this, we really typically just see him as an anti-hero. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is, I think it is this series that basically transforms villain for uh, Venom from hero. I mean, he's always called himself the lethal protector. He's always seen himself as a protector of innocence. It's really just his methods more so that have made him a villain. Uh, but yeah, this is really what led to him becoming yeah hero slash anti-hero. However you, however you want to classify him. Uh, but uh, Dima Goblin here in the beginning, of, this is now Spider-Man number 35. He appears in this warehouse where Carnage and Shriek and Doppelganger have shacked up. So uh, he just he, he wants to join the family for whatever reason here, I guess. And uh, meanwhile, 
meanwhile, back at the ranch, meanwhile, back at, at uh, Spider-Man at Peter Parker's apartment, he is convincing Mary Jane, who, of course, needs a lot of convincing with all this stuff now, that they should help out Venom, who takes a little nap on Peter's couch. So I I guess no no hard feelings so far from, from all the past between these two. I mean, he's not trying to kill Peter or MJ, so True. he might as well, you know, be a welcome to cast at least. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Spider-Man shows up to uh, a black cat. Well, it's, it's Felicia Hardy's apartment because they they know each other's identity. But uh, to the black cat, who again is such a such a much better fit to be to be with Peter Parker than MJ or anyone else. I mean, oh, Peter yeah. Parker really should be with a, a super powered person. I think probably most super powered people should be. To be honest, I, I I would ship him with anybody else. Really, yeah. Um, this is where we find out, and this is a, a storyline that had been going on earlier, that Peter Parker's parents are alive, at least at this juncture in time. And um, I think, I don't remember how this played out. I think later down the road, it turns out they're clones or something like that. It's a whole mess. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put it that way. It's a imagine. whole mess. Yeah, as you can imagine. Um, so we, we, we hear a reference to that. We'll hear more from uh, especially Richard Parker, Peter Parker's douchebag dad later, later on. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Shriek and the Demo Goblin, they're, they're battling down at the waterfront where they're shacked up because, you know, they don't know what, you know, Demo Goblin is not necessarily joining right up with these guys right away. Um, he actually sees himself as a, a cleanser of sinners, but of course he sees most people as sinners, so he goes around and killing people. And uh, Carnage says, well, oh, wait, hold on. You want to kill people? Oh, why don't you just say so? All you got to do is join up with us. So that's when they say, okay, well, we're all here to cause destruction and mayhem. Uh, so let's let's join up together and, you know, do that. Do that as a family, as a little Carnage family. Uh, Car- let's see. Family values coming to you this summer. Carnage family values. Let's see. Black Cat. I wrote down this one line from B- Black Cat that uh, I just thought that was funny. This is a, a line that uh, this now now Peter, Black Cat, and Venom are basically getting ready uh, to go out, and they they kind of all agree um, to go out and stop Carnage as as a team here. Uh, and and Black Cat says, "Sometimes you have to stroke the devil to save the righteous." So um, I don't know what that means, but Felicia <laughs> I, waxing poetically. Yeah, she, she was uh, referring to them deciding whether whether they would team up with Venom here, because again, he is still basically established as a, as a villain at this point, and so that that's her response. Sometimes you have to stroke the devil to save the righteous. I don't know. That don't know. that's kind of the 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 cat calling the Venom black, so to speak. She's not so much of a hero herself. Yeah, I mean, she is a cat burglar. She's not you know she's she's not a murderer or anything like that, but she's she's basically Catwoman. Yeah. Essentially, for all intents and purposes. Basically. So, yeah, Venom gets his strength back. He's all healed up from the symbiote uh, healing powers or what have you. He agrees to team up with Spidey and Black Cat. But Spider-Man has one rule. If anyone tries to kill someone, I am going to stop them. Because uh, Spider-Man does not kill. Much like Batman, much like most heroes are supposed to, you know, supposed to believe. Uh, let's see. Cloak appears at the waterfront to confront Carnage's crew all by himself because Shriek killed Dagger and uh, Cloak is not happy about this. So they they overpower him because it's four on one now here. Uh, but then just in the nick of time, as often happens in comic books, Venom, Spider-Man, and Black Cup. Black Cup? Black, <laughs> Black Cup. Cat. There you go. <laughs> Black Cup. I'm going to create that. Someone, uh, someone with art skills out there, if Matt Battaglia is listening, maybe you can create this character for us. Black Cup. That's all I'm going to give you is the name. You will filleth my cup with filleth vengeance. The, filleth the Black Cup with the finest coffee. <laughs> I will and fill up the Black Cup with your blood. It has so, uh, this whole thing going. <laughs> yeah, actually, this could be good. This could be something. This might be our big break. The comics that spawn from this podcast, from our, our ideas on the fly. Well, how long did it take you to think of the Black Cup? Uh, a, a long time. <laughs> uh, a long time. Seven episodes, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so let's see. Cloak at one point tries to pull Carnage. So basically, inside Cloak's cape is this is the dark dimension, whatever that means. He tries to pull Carnage into it, but Carnage is just too powerful, so he actually is able to pull himself out of of that dark dimension. And they blow up the warehouse. Black Cat is hurt. Venom is like losing consciousness because he gets you know he gets a little taste of that fire, which the symbiotes is a weakness of the, the symbiotes. So Spider Man has this classic Spider Man dilemma: Do I go after Carnage and pot and try to stop these guys right now and save? hundreds of his allies, uh, save hundreds of lives, or do I save my allies right now? Do I save Black Cat and Venom? What will he do? That's our cliffhanger moving into the next part of Maximum Carnage. And of course, as you can imagine... Although I don't know, maybe it's not that obvious. If you, if you really thought Carnage was going to kill hundreds of people in those in those moments, maybe he should have gone after Carnage. I don't know, but I, th- I think Spider-Man realizes he cannot do this alone, especially now that Carnage has assembled this crew. He's got a, a demon throwing pumpkins around. He's got this crazy doppelganger. He's got this goth chick shooting Sonic shit out of her arms. I mean, how's he going to do this himself? So of course he goes back, chooses to say, save Venom and Black Cat. Uh, but Venom is not happy about this. He's he's really pissed off, and he takes a swipe at Spider-Man. Uh, and then Black Cat kind of gets in the in the middle here and breaks it up. But uh, turns out she's pissed at Spider-Man too because for she because she's kind of doing a, a women's empowerment thing here. She's like, oh, you didn't think I could handle myself here? You had to come back and save me. And Venom's just mad because he wanted you know Spider-Man to go stop Carnage. So they're both pissed at Spider-Man for saving them, and uh, they're all kind of arguing. And and all I'm thinking is. All this time you guys are arguing about him coming back to save you or whatever. Carnage is just out there literally just like killing more and more people. So maybe you should just save the arguments for later, perhaps. You'd think. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they're a dysfunctional family uh, just, just as much as Team Carnage will prove to be, I think, throughout this. That's, that's basically the running theme of this. These, these two groups that are uh, forming sort of side by, by side, uh, continuing to battle each other throughout the city. And, uh, but the, the whole time, there's all these inner conflicts within the group. So it's, yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of uh, interesting interactions along the way, I guess you could say. Um, but Spider-Man says he's not going to team with Venom anymore. He's already over this, you know, because he already realizes that after Venom goes after him, he's like, this guy's a murderer. Murderer. He wants to go kill Carnage. Like, I know he's going to end up killing people or killing Carnage, and I, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, but Black, 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 excuse me, Black Cup, Black Cat is Black still, she's still cool with Venom. She don't care. She just wants to stop Carnage, too. So they, uh, Black Cat and Venom now go off together, leaving S- Spider-Man alone. So that's, that's very, very sad. Um, Carnage goes on a little um, rant after this. He gets because he gets mad at the Demogoblin because Demogoblin discusses like something about our. He's like, "What's our plan?" and and Spider and Carnage gets so pissed off and he goes on this rant because he 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 says basically life is life is meaningless, life is chaos, the universe has no center, its creator is a drooling idiot. Uh, Carnage basically represents um, just lack of meaning. Uh, he is there to kill because the life has no meaning to him. So the idea of even having a plan or a grand scheme is absolutely insulting to this man. The plan, there's no plan. It's to cause chaos and destruction. A plan represents order, but we're not here for that. We're here for death, destruction, and, of course, Carnage. So they start to tangle a little bit, and uh, Shriek breaks it up. There's dissension everywhere in the Carnage family. The Carnage, Carnage family values are already falling apart here. Uh, back at uh, back at uh, in Parkerland, Peter is getting some advice from Aunt May, who just tells him to follow his heart and to do what's right. Uh, I then made a note here that Spidey's dad is a dick. <laughs> 
there such you a go. dick throughout this whole thing. Uh, we, we find out, yeah, he was in a Soviet prison. Him and his wife were in the Soviet prison for 20 years. It's presumed they were dead. Uh, he says he met the devil face to face. And he says, he goes on this rant where he says, you know, Aunt May and, and, and Uncle Ben, uh, they were wrong to raise Peter with all these fairy tales about the kindness of the human heart. Uh, meanwhile, this is intercut with scenes of carnage causing mayhem over the city, killing people. So it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of interesting way they lay it out uh, as we're hearing P, uh, Richard Richard Parker go on this rant about how people are terrible and there's some monsters out there and you know the, the world is awful. We're just seeing this destruction play out at the same time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Cl- Black Cat and Cloak is with them as well, and Venom. They all meet up and they agree, like we can't do this ourselves. Carnage is too powerful. He's got friends now. We got to go out and recruit some reinforcements. So they agree to go do that. Meanwhile, some other creature, some other kind of ghouly looking creature, starts following them. This is a character named Carrion. Have you ever heard of Carrion before? This time and this time only. <laughs> only in this series. So, I mean, I'm sure these people pop around, but I mean, like so many characters from the 90s, they were coming out of the woodwork around every corner. It, it, it's only a matter of time until they get forgotten. Indeed. So many, so many characters, including Carrion, who's basically uh, this guy who is uh, he's infected with something called the Carrion virus, which I think just basically spreads uh, death and destruction and, and that sort of thing and turns him into this pale, ghouly, uh, ghouly ghoul type type thing. All right, so now Spider-Man comes upon uh, this scene of people fighting each other in the street. Now, as, as Carnage and Shriek are spreading mayhem, and we don't really know why exactly right now, we find that people in the city are starting to kind of lose their shit on each other. Uh, there's just general chaos spreading everywhere. Um, so, And then they're, they're all battling each other, and, and sp- finally Spider-Man just st- starts to lose it too. He flips out in the crowd, and it, this issue ends with Spider- Spider-Man shaking his fists in the air and screaming that you'll get no mercy from Spider-Man anymore. So whatever's affecting people, um, you know, we don't know exactly why. Why people are losing their shit besides the fact that Carnage is causing all this rampage and destruction. But now, now Spider-Man is flipping out a little bit and flipping out in the crowd. What'd you think of Spider-Man losing it there for a second? It's only a matter of time until this happened. I mean, if MJ was nagging me as often, I would go crazy too. <laughs> right. It all comes back to, uh, to the, to the I don't book. think that was the trigger because of the scene, obviously, but that certainly had something to do with it. Probably not. We now hop over to a web of Spider-Man number 102. This is part six where we see carry on again. He is apparently I'm not jumping real fast. Yeah, go for it. I, I, I forget half these Spider-Man titles existed. Oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's so many. And I think like Spectacular Spider-Man is, is such a long title because it's called the full name of it is Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man. That That's the longest one. And then uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, I think they just did two issues of just to have more two more parts in this they, they've, they've tried to bring it in over the last couple decades but it's never really caught on uh so yeah we start this off we see carry on it, it seems like he might be responsible for some of this mayhem uh but it's, it's, really, it's still really not clear why there's just this random mayhem everywhere uh we then see morbius the character of morbius who is a basically a he's kind of another anti-hero uh basically just a vampire uh, and he is recruited by team venom meanwhile Ma- mary jane I can't even believe this. Now, this is where I start to Damn get really Damn it, Mary pissed. Jane. Because she's so pissed off at, at Pete for going out and you know, risking himself and everything. And she's so concerned about him and something happening to him. She's so concerned that she goes partying at the club all night. She's just out tearing it up on the dance floor while her husband's out there trying to stop you know, Carnage from killing everybody. I mean, uh, she's so concerned about him. How does she go out and just be partying all night? This disturbed me crazy. 
Never liked her. Never will. Yeah, I'm not gonna get you. You're not gonna be playing uh, playing uh, devil's advocate for MJ here at any point, are you? I'm not gonna get no. you into that one. All right. Not at so, all. Uh, so of course, as these things go, uh, the battle actually ends up happening at the club that Mary Jane is at. So, um, you know, so th- there's a there's a battle inside the club. Uh, Venom shows up and finally is able to really get his hands on Carnage for a minute. Uh, Venom actually saves Mary Jane at one point during this, and he and he just tells her to thank Peter Parker because, of course, Peter has has not joined this team. He gave up on this team, and um, you know, so Venom just says, you know, just just thank your husband. Uh, just tell tell your husband that we saved you, because you know, of course, he, he does want Spider Man. Uh, would love to uh, join them. At which point, Spider Man just does uh, show up at the club and join the good guys. So, at being outnumbered a little bit here, I'm really not number not out not the uh, man. I can't speak today. Uh, not outnumbered, but out outmatched in the moment. Team Carnage flees the scene. Uh, Spider Man saves MJ and some of the other club club goers. Uh, Spider Man doesn't really trust Morbius, but uh, pretty much just shrugs it off and says, "Oh well," because you know we got to go stop Carnage. That's the end of the end of that one. What do you think of this little this little team of of uh, this little odd cast of characters that's forming here that now includes? Uh, Morbius. What do you think of the character of Morbius? I, I, I would. Well, I, I've always been a Morbius fan. I always felt like he was underrated. I'm happy that he has his own series out right now and he's getting his upcoming film. Do I think that he was strong enough for a film? No. But in a world where a Venom movie can make a bajillion dollars, I think Morbius has a good running chance. I mean, it, it makes more sense for him. I never I never really liked Cloak and Dagger. I feel like those were characters that were kind of shoehorned into Spider-Man to elevate their statuses. I mean, you bring in like the new war. Warriors, Captain America, all those bunch. That's nice. But when it comes to Spidey's core cast of supporting characters, I'm happy to see Morbius finally make his way in. If I could have my one, you know, Infinity Gauntlet snap change, I would have had him in this from the beginning. All right. And uh, is it Gyllenhaal that's playing Morbius? Is that right? Or am I making that up? No, it's uh, Jared Leto. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal was Mysterio. Why did I think he was involved in Morbius somehow? Probably they all I, look the same. Probably because I made it up, because they're the same person. Uh, now we move on to Amazing Spider-Man 371. This is part seven. Team Spider-Man is there. They've now met up in the uh, the house that Cletus Casty was raised in uh, for some reason. Morbius is not with them at this point. He's on another mission that we'll find out about later. Uh, Cloak goes to find uh, Firestar because they're they're talking and they uh, you know they know that one of the weaknesses of the symbiotes is fire. So they go. He goes off to go to try to recruit her. I guess I think she's one of the members of the the aforementioned New Warriors. Uh, and this is where they do explain that um, the Fantastic Four and the Avengers are out of town because of you know, various stuff going on so that they at least do address that instead of just ignoring why all those heroes wouldn't have uh, joined in to help in, the, in this and then we learned that Morbius is off he was at actually at Ravencroft getting uh, a file on Shriek to learn a little bit more about her uh, we then see Team Carnage attacking the New York Metro. This is where Carrion shows up and joins in the fun. Uh, this is a fu- there's a little funny line that I wrote down. I thought it was funny anyway. Where Shriek says, "Wait, didn't Carrion die in like an explosion a while back or something?" And Carnage just goes, "Who knows? Who cares?" And it just made me think of, yeah, that's pretty much comics for you because that, that is how they deal with death. And you know, I just thought that was pretty. I, I don't know if that was that, supposed that's to be a meta commentary. Um, yeah, that's a meta narrative right there because yeah. this story, like, listen, it's got a lot to it. The art's cool. The gist of it's fun. No one is keeping track of the continuity errors. <laughs> exactly. It really is. Uh, yeah, who gives a shit? And we're going to say it too. And we're going to tell you that we don't give a shit through through Carnage's uh, you know comments here. You wait for amazing unlimited web of Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man for part 15. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we then have a little interlude where we meet another character, Deathlock, who's monitoring the situation. Do you know anything about Deathlock, Remzo? 
Deathlock the Super Soldier. One time he's from a dystopian future where he's fighting off superhumans. The other, he's just a mercenary who's been augmented to be a badass killing machine. Yeah, there have been so many versions of Deathlock um, that it's just not worth going. He's like the Kenny of the Marvel Universe because he's just (laughs) constantly dying and being brought back and he doesn't have a consistent way of doing so. At least with Deathlock, it does seem they bring him back as like different people each time. So that's at least something. They, they tend to respect Half the time, them. they don't even tell you who those people are. They just say, it's Deathlock. Don't ask what body they stole. Deathlock's back and he's in a new body. Hey, nah, hey, nah. Deathlock's back. So anyway, we see him for a minute. And uh, that meanwhile, Spider-Man, Black Cat, and Venom, they're webbing their way. I don't know what... I wasn't sure here because what does is, what is Black Cat use to kind of web through the city? Because she's riding on something. She, it looks she's, like, got a, she's got a grappling hook ah, or a grappling, grappling claw. She has tools that were made for her by the Tinkerer. Oh, okay. The Tinkerer gets referenced again here. There you he go. was in, in episode two. Now, um, I, I find it kind of hard to believe that, that she can keep up with a grappling hook with the webbing, the web shooting and the, the symbiote webbing of these two. But, you know, I guess we'll just overlook that because there's probably bigger things to that that I that could not be overlooking. She's uh, She's got some old super, super soldier serum in her. Yeah. Oh, does she? Yeah, because her father was the black cat before her, and uh, I think his name was something Hardy, like Fenton Hardy or something like that. And uh, he basically gets the serum, and then he gives it to her or something like that. It's a it's a mess. This is why I made you my sidekick, Remzo. For little, to clean up the messes and to make them worse the sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we then see Daddy Parker with uh, Aunt May. He's fighting some guy off that, that tries to attack her when they're out. Uh, he's also not before he scolds her for even going out of the house during this thing. He's like, I told you we shouldn't have gone out during all this, which in fairness, he's probably right. I mean, if there's a murderous rampage in the city, maybe you just stay in. But anyway, if Aunt May were alive in the real world, she would have totally gone out all the time during coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yeah, she definitely would be. Absolutely. Peter, no I had to go get pumpernickel bread. <laughs> no Aunt May, don't you Sinister Six is out. They've got COVID, and you're like a million years old. But I needed milk, Peter. Also, I make your wheat cakes. Um, then we, so yeah, uh, Daddy Parker fights off this one guy, and then he, he makes this comment to me like, "There's your good people," because she's you know still been going on this thing about how people are good, and he's got to have faith in people, yada yada yada. And he's like, "Oh yeah, really? Well, look at these guys just trying to attack you." Uh, then Deathlock shows up to battle Team Carnage. Um, and not much really happens there, but he's, he's getting involved in the situation. We never really get much about death clock, death lock in this. He's just there and kind of joins and whatever. We don't really know much more than that. Uh, team Spidey goes to a damaged four freedom towers, uh, where the fantastic four, uh, normally is based and they get this sonic blaster because of course the symbiotes are, are, um, their weaknesses are fire and like sonic blasts basically. Uh, they then meet up with cloak and Firestar at the warehouse and, uh, they are ready to go to go do this thing. And uh, my last, note on this is this issue is some weird shit is going on with Deathlock. That's the best way to describe the whole series. Yeah, that's the best way to describe a lot of things that that go on here. Uh, Moving on to Spider-Man number 36. Team Spider-Man is now in J. Jonah Jameson's office. Now they are telling him that that they want to use him to sort of for their own means. And uh, you know, it, it, they're, he's made, they're basically doing what Carnage did within a less murderous way. They're they're like J. J. Jonah Jameson, you need to you know run this story for us. And he's like, Nah, I don't want to do that. They're like, Or do you? And the you know Venom and Black Cat kind of look at him intimidatingly. And you're like, Wait, are you really that much better than Carnage now? I mean, yeah, I guess you're not as scary, but you're still intimidating this guy into, you know, running a story for your for real means. Of course, they're doing it for a good reason. So maybe that makes it OK. It's JJ. Do you still feel bad? 
nah, it's hard to feel bad. It happens happen to a better honest. person. This is true. This is true. Um, but uh, Aunt May and the Parkers, they finally get home. This this uh, taxi driver's like, man, I, I I wouldn't have driven you all the way across town right now if you didn't pay me that $100 or whatever. And they're attack- attacked by this gang, the Bedrocks Gang. What an intimidating name. And uh, they are protected by old Peter Parker pal Flash Thompson, as well as the Molten Man, who I guess is uh, one of their neighbors there or lives in the building. That's convenient to have a, a slightly superpowered. I don't know how uh, I don't know how much experience you have with the Molten Man. Well, it's in New York. Superhumans are on every corner. This is true. Uh, I'll ask you this every time an obscure character shows up. How much did you know about the Molten Man before this? I know that he's Liz Allen's brother. Liz Allen happens to be married to the now currently deceased Harry Osborne and is the mother of Normie. That's as far as that goes. He's got anger issues. More than me, but he seems like seems like a good guy in this one anyway. Uh, Carnage then goes, Team Carnage then goes to take over this creepy abandoned orphanage. And then we get some glimpses of a young Cletus Cassidy and some flashbacks here. They're starting to give us a little bit of a Peter of Cletus's troubled childhood uh, as a creepy abandoned orphan in a creepy abandoned orphanage. Uh, At this point, Team Spider-Man shows up and goes back on the attack. Uh, Meanwhile, um, Deathlock meets up with another character that uh, we probably, uh, you know, we're more familiar with for sure, uh, and people out there are probably more familiar with since he had his own Netflix series. And this is, of course, Iron Fist. So the ridiculously fastly growing cast continues to expand ridiculously fast here. What do you think about a little old Fisty showing up? I didn't even, I didn't even remember he was in this. Why are they trying to like, like this is just, it's not against iron fist personally. It's against half the people that are brought in here. I think it's why this series went on. I'm sorry. The story arc went on for so long because they keep throwing people in there who aren't necessarily popular on their own, right. Hoping that maybe if they get some cool scenes in a Spider-Man comic, they can't at least get their own solo adventures. I think, I think that waters down the story and it certainly doesn't help these characters, especially if you're dagger, who's dead for most of it. It almost reminds me of one of your biggest criticisms of um, back in the Savage Dragon episode, episode three of all these new characters just showing up and showing up. And these aren't new characters um, to the to the Marvel Universe, but um, they're new characters to this storyline. And every single issue, there's more new characters just showing up and showing up. Uh, addition can be subtra- can be subtraction. Yeah, I think that's what somebody said to me sometimes. Just because you can have more doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I don't mind the ensemble cast. I don't mind the idea of the teams forming. But this is part in eight and we still have heel being added to like both sides of this thing it's like okay just establish your teams early i'm cool with that but then do we really need to bring iron fist into this i mean he seems so out of place uh with this set of characters like it totally Does makes he sense. not have anything better to do i guess not i think he was just meditating before all this stuff went down exactly uh, why i don't like him we then cut to uh because he meditates what do you have against meditating Those- damn hippies i don't know he's just he's just boring like yeah he's he's a cool fighter and stuff but like i can't name a single popular iron fist story he's always like he, he's like the perennial support character he was cool in like bendis's new avengers run he's cool in like heroes for hire but you'll never see me say you know what i want i want to i want to get some iron fists on my reading list or i want to go back and watch the iron fist show i can't really think of a classic iron fist run if anybody knows one out there uh, maybe we'll look into it how about that or you can join our patreon at the uh, and join the Kirby Club, and you can uh, actually just force us to read some Iron Man, Iron, Iron Man, Iron Fist. So that's another way to do it. Patreon.com/slash Second Print Pod. Moving along, 
past our promo. Carnage is now attacked by, uh, he's being attacked at the same time uh, back at this orphanage by Firestar and Venom. Venom has a sonic gun and Firestar's blasting him with fire. So he's getting hit by both things that, uh, that cause damage to symbiotes. Then Venom is about to kill Carnage. But of course, Spider-Man grabs him and pulls him back because he said early on, he said, if anyone tries to kill someone, I'm stepping in here. Um, then Shriek actually slaps Carnage to Carnage also, um, because she's, she's, I guess she's pissed off. Um, but the symbiote, uh, lives in his blood and, uh, this is where we learn how Carnage came back. It's, it's no longer a separate entity. Essentially, uh, the Carnage symbiote is, is become a part of Cletus Cassidy's bloodstream. So even if you sort quote unquote, kill the symbiote, you're, you're not really killing him, uh, which really makes what this realization really makes Carnage seem even scarier. Cause now you're thinking like, how can we even stop this guy? Cause even if we do the normal things to kill a symbiote you're not killing the 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 blood of cletus cassidy necessarily doing that uh so unless you kill cletus cassidy you're not going to kill carnage and that gives a kind of adds to this dilemma because spider-man really doesn't want to kill anyone including carnage but what are you going to do here that now not not only this guy is just complete murderous rampage but he can basically regenerate himself every time you might be able to kill the symbiote so it just makes carnage that much scarier i think he's straight up in the same league as like jason or michael myers yeah yeah, very much so. He, and he, like I said, he does feel like a true horror movie villain uh, in this series. Moving on to Spectacular Spider-Man, or should I say Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 202. This is part nine of Maximum Carnage. There's this, they're still they're battling uh, in the park here. There's a big battle in the park between both the scenes, uh, between both the teams here. And we also cut back to MJ, who is, of course, still pissed off that Peter Man is out being Spider-Man uh, and, and not spending her time being concerned. I mean, she's probably hung over from partying all night, first of all. God uh, damn it, MJ. <laughs> Damn you, MJ. Uh, Shriek, at one point during this battle, Shriek gets sucked into the dark dimension in Cloak's cloak, uh, but she pops out and blasts Cloak into retreating, so Cloak's out of here. Uh, and there's a funny... Shriek actually has a lot of funny lines uh, throughout the series. In, in this one, Shriek says, Oh my god, I'm talking to myself like some comic book character. I really must be nuts, because he had done a few panels of kind of word balloons thinking about what it was like in the dark dimension. So I found that pretty funny. Um, a little more, little more meta-commentary there. Uh, they then realize, uh, at some point the characters realize that somehow, uh, they don't really know why, but the, everything the Carnage and the company are doing is actually making everyone el- else in the city more bloodthirsty. So that there's they're realizing there's some connection here between the mayhem the Carnage and, and the team are causing with, with everyone else just seemingly losing their mind all around town. Um, also in this scene, Black Cat has to stop Morbius from killing someone because every, every, this, it's also affecting some of the heroes as well. Uh, as you saw earlier when Spider-Man kind of flipped out um, and now like eh, Morbius is already someone who sucks blood, so maybe he would have done this anyway, but he was about to just go basically sink his teeth into an, one, I wouldn't say an innocent person, but one of the people who's just rioting and causing mayhem, you know, because they're under whatever sort of spell they seem to be under here. So uh, Black Cat has to intervene to stop that murder. Uh, Venom once is encouraging Firestar to burn Carnage to death, uh, and nobody is down with that, really, because nobody, because, you know, Spider-Man still doesn't want to kill people. Uh, she doesn't want to kill people, but uh, Spider-Man eventually agrees, alright, you gotta blast him with fire to at least try to kill the symbiote here, because we, we have no other way to stop him but she stops short right before carnage seems to be dying from the fire again uh she stops short of killing him because she just has she has a conscience she can't take a life and uh venom then attacks her as we often see venom do when he when he doesn't like how the other heroes are acting so now of course spider-man intervenes uh spider-man and venom are now now fighting and at this point shriek actually blasts off venom symbiote altogether uh and and carnage and shriek just tag team uh tag team venom and go nuts on him uh but carnage doesn't want to kill him just yet 
Um, so the and they also take the Sonic gun during this. And Spider Man and Black Cat had kind of fled, and the rest of the team had kind of fled at this point. Uh, but they they Carnage and Shriek do uh, capture Venom uh, as well as the Sonic gun. So things are not going well. Uh, Spidey is hurt and distraught. And one of my favorite panels in this entire scene is uh where you know somebody says like you see an off-panel voice saying yeah you need a hand son or he says like don't give up and then the next panel is when you see captain america standing over spider-man holding his hand out he's just saying how about a hand son and i i pretty much stood up in my chair reading this it was it was just like a scene out of a movie um or it, was, it reminded me of like when when captain america grabs thor's hammer or maybe not as dramatic as that in the avengers but it was just like a yes captain america's here or maybe more accurately uh probably the scene in let's see what in it's infinity war uh where they're all battling and uh you know the last time we had seen steve rogers is when he uh was an outlaw and kind of helped the other the other ex-avengers uh, escape at the end of civil war and then suddenly you see you see the the shield and you see the silhouette of captain america and you're just like yes and this reminded me of that moment what'd you think this is finally one of the few surprise cameos yeah, that finally actually not, it, it not only makes sense because now it's it's because this whole thing is an Avengers level threat. It makes sense to have them in. But the way that that was executed is better than any other surprise cameo or jumping point for a character in the entire storyline thus far. I think they executed Captain America's arrival really well. Yeah, I guess the only one thing I could, a good thing I could say about all the other kind of arrivals of lame characters is that it, it did make Captain America's arrival feel all the more, uh, you know, all the more special. It's like, okay, finally, finally, someone that matters showing up here to help out. Um, but now we move over to Web of Spider-Man number 103, Team Carnage. They're still, still back on the rampage, causing destruction as they do. Meanwhile, Captain America, and Fire, Firestar, Firestar and Spidey are uh, monitoring the situation um, uh, over some monitors i guess uh, i think in uh the avengers uh tower or what have you and uh when cap notices some some kind of power drain and he figures out that it's being caused by deathlock who's hacked into their system so yeah, he guess he figured that out pretty easily um i didn't know cap was a much of an it guy but i guess he is um we then see Morbius and Black Cat and Cloak battling Carrion, Doppelganger, and Demogoblin. So it's kind of the the B teams of, of both teams here uh, are battling it out. Uh, while back at the back at the um, I get the warehouse or wherever they're holed up, Shriek and Carnage are just torturing Venom. They have him hanging up over over fire here. They're pointing the gun at him. I mean, there Venom's having a bad time here. Uh, meanwhile, back at uh, back at her apartment, Mary Jane is just up late smoking cigarettes. <laughs> As Mary Jane, because because her life is so hard. She's the one who's stressed out here. Ugh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It must suck to be so hot and so rich from just taking photos all day. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we cut back to the scene, and uh, Black Cat is rescued by, for someone who I thought for a minute, when it first happened, I go, Spawn? Spawn shows up? Uh, it's not Spawn. It is this another character. Even in part 10 here, we're getting other characters show up and join this team. This is a character called Nightwatch, uh, but it turns out, I don't know if you know this, Remzo, it's pretty obvious, actually, but uh, Nightwatch a is rip-off. actually a, is a ripoff of Spawn. It came out right they, after Spawn. They ended up, uh, McFarlane starts, actually sued Marvel because of this. Really? That seems like a yeah, thing. I, ha- I have the first issue of Nightwatch. He would had his own solo series that came after this, and it was uh, forgettable to say the least. But apparently somehow Sony has Nightwatch film rights because okay. they have all the backlog of Spider-Man IP. So we may or may not be getting a Nightwatch movie, which is ironic because we're also already supposed to get Jamie Foxx's Spawn. So wouldn't it be hilarious to see Nightwatch and Spawn coming out at the same time? That would be hilarious. I would look forward to that, actually. We can do a night one, night watch, I've, I've never, spawn review. 
I've never not wanted a certain superhero movie so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this one ends up with Captain America and Firestar. They they go and meet up with um, Iron Fist and Deathlock and Spidey. So now they're they're kind of forming a new, a new team here to uh, a, a new little side team here to go join the fray. Moving on to part eleven, Amazing Spider-Man number three eighty. Venom is still being tortured uh, when Nightwatch and Morbius show up to uh, to I guess uh, help him out. Meanwhile, Captain America, Deathlock, Iron Fist, Firestar, and Spider-Man find Shriek, and they realize that she is the source of the insanity. She's just, like, blasting this stuff out, this, like, energy out, and it's causing everyone to lose their shit. So they, they now they've realized that this is not just, you know, some random thing where people are losing their mind because of all the mayhem being caused. It is directly from uh, something that Shriek is doing to sort of... Uh, put people into more of a rage. Um, and Shriek just seems crazy powerful in this scene. She's just taking on all five of these heroes at once. Uh, and of course, of all things, of all these heroes with their powers, the one thing that takes her out, Captain America's shield. Another great one too. I, I, I love that. You know, all these, all these, everyone's trying to battle her and it just takes, takes one well-placed Captain America shield, shield strike to take her out. Uh, meanwhile, at the Carnage Hideaway, uh, let's see, day, 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 night, excuse me, daytime, it's daytime, it's dawn yeah. now, which means... <laughs> Does time even matter anymore? Yeah, so that, uh, Morbius being a vampire cannot function during the day, so Nightwatch is like, oh shit, it's daytime, we gotta get out of here, so he grabs Morbius and pulls him out of there. Um, let's see, there's still people fighting in the street, even though Shriek has been stopped, uh, there's still, it's not, I mean, apparently it's not an instant effect, uh, you know, they still have to, I guess that, that, that crazy rage energy still continues to go a bit after, after she's been taken down here, uh, and, and, but, uh, Captain America appears behind one guy who's, like, trying to steal something, and he just turns and sees Captain America, and he's, he's like, I'm sorry, and then each each hero basically we see them stopping someone from stealing something, and then the person kind of comes to their senses and have a change has a change of heart. Uh, but Spider Man's is crazy. There's this lady that's holding her two little babies uh, on the top of this building, is about to throw them off. She's like, "I'm sick of these kids. They're always crying." And Spider Man's like, "Lady, whoa, Michael whoa, Jackson, whoa, no, what are, you, what are you doing here? Do <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so sick of these kids. Uh, I'm gonna hold them over the thing." And uh, but Spider Man's like talks to her, she's like, "Lady, what are you doing? You can't. I can't let you throw your kids over the, the over the off the roof." And she's like, "Oh, oh yeah." oh yeah I don't know what I was thinking and then Spider-Man just lets it go I guess they have a lot of confidence that this thing has worn off if they can just kind of like stop these people but then move on with the battle because I don't know I don't know if I would trust that lady to just completely snap out of it and not throw the kids they're, they're, they're grasping at this point they really I feel are. like if you're having to throw this in there it's like my god this well, th- this does not need to be 14 parts <laughs> yeah um, let's see we say we have um, Dima Goblin and uh, Doppelganger they free sh- they, they do, are able to free Shriek from the web that they had tied her in and the other heroes show up. They're all battling together, uh, but now the mob is turning on Shriek and the crew because they've snapped out of it now. So they're they're coming after Shriek because um, the heroes showed them the truth. But then Shriek says, "No, nah, no, nah, I got more power than that. I wasn't even trying before." And she mega blasts her rage power out of there. And now the crowd is back and they're going against the heroes. Uh, I'm gonna bounce through the end of this thing. We're almost there. Spider-Man number 37 is part 12. Uh, let's see. Mary Jane is is sick of Richard Parker's attitude. Uh, he's just being all pissy in the apartment about the nature of laws, right? Yeah, and finally. Only for one moment, I can kind of join up with MJ here. I'm like, all right, yeah, he is an asshole. I'm on your side on this one. And she's she's starting to have a little face. She's saying, you know, the heroes are going to save the city. Meanwhile, Venom is still being tortured. Is begging Carnage to stop. And Venom just seems totally broken here. Uh, when we see the Venom symbiote emerge, and you know, at this point, Carnage just says, all right, I'm going to finish you off. He's, he's aiming that that sonic gun at, at, at Venom. Uh, but then we see the Venom symbiote emerge from the sonic gun, and Venom is now free. I guess he had been distracting Carnage by trying to kind of pretend like he was totally broken while he snuck just one little one little symbiote. 
symbiote particle into the sonic gun and reemerged because uh, that's what you can do when you're symbiote because comics. Uh, Venom, though, is too injured to stay in fight, so he flees. Um, meanwhile, we see Cloak spending a lot of time contemplating life and then thinking about Dagger at, at this church. Uh, blah blah blah. We find out a little bit about Shriek. We find out she was abused and she was never allowed to be upset as a child. Who so now gives I, a shit about? I, I, I I'm like, I'm like, we're on part twelve and you're trying to give me a Shriek backstory now. Like, no, I don't, I don't need this. I'm not gonna feel bad for Shriek. Don't you? Don't even try. Don't even try. Uh, Iron Fist does a full Zen walk through the crowd. Uh, like he, he just decides, oh, I'm just gonna walk right through them and they're not gonna hurt me, which works for a second, but then it doesn't work. Then they all team up on him anyway. So I thought that was kind of funny. And Spider Man's like, hey, can you show me how to do that? He's like, yeah, but it take like eight or nine years. So probably not. Um, Carnage is back and he attacks Shriek because he was mad that she was going off and killing people on her own. Well, so this this couple is just they're always they're always going after each other, always always mad about who's murder, murdering who at what time. Uh, but again, like a good like a good loyal dog, Doppel. Spidey stops him. Doppelganger Spidey, as I call him, Doppelspides, uh, stops him with his webs and gets mauled by, just totally gets mauled by Carnage here. Um, well, I shouldn't say mauled. I mean, he's still alive, but Carnage attacks him. Uh, and now it seems like all of Team Carnage is about to abandon Car- Carnage, except the heroes show back up. So then they say, actually, no, we'll, 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 we'll put aside our differences to battle these heroes for now. But right at the end here, Cloak shows up with Dagger, because shocker of shocker, 11 issues later, Dagger wasn't really dead. She's alive. Shock. Were you shocked by Dagger's return? <laughs> you can see the shocked all over my face when Dagger yes. returns. Every issue they reference Dagger's death, which every issue told me I'm going to see Dagger very soon. Uh, so Dagger is alive and shiny. She turns out she didn't really die. She just had her light powers feedback or something. And, oh, uh, sure. Some kind of thing. Sure. And she now turned into a being of, of pure light. And I wrote down here, you know what? You want to know what I wrote? I wrote, why, Remzo? Because comics. Thank you. Well, because comics. She was almost destroyed, but she found re- refuge within the cloak. She was drifting in the dark dimension. And then the love that binds, her love for cloak brought her back. Whatever. Um, blah, blah, blah. So the battle ensues here. Uh, Dagger takes out Shriek because Dagger's like crazy powerful now. Uh, Carnage doesn't even want to help Shriek. He's like, ah, what a mess of a relationship. I, I don't even care about Shriek anymore. Uh, Cloak says Dagger must face her killer alone so she can move on. So I guess Dagger must battle Shriek alone. Spider-Man can't help her. Uh, Dagger uses the power of light and love to forgive Shriek. And it seems like Shriek has turned the corner. She's like, wow, you really forgive me? Then she says, yeah, no. And she lashes out at her again. Uh, so everyone is gone now. Uh, so now it's finally um, a battle of Spider-Man versus Carnage one-on-one. Except it's not one-on-one. It, it appeared that it was going to be. But but he's fending off Carnage. Carry on and Shriek. They're there too. Uh, Shriek is really laying into Spider-Man. He's going through all sorts of shit in his mind too. She's kind of blasting him with this energy. He's having all these visions of his again of his parents and of Richard being an asshole and talking about how bad humanity is. When the heroes show back up, and it turns out they went to go get something called the Alpha Magnet Illuminator. And we don't really get an explanation of what this is, but um, apparently it seems like it's going to help. So this this kind of gun, they're blasting everyone with it, all the villains. Uh, it has some effects. It turns Carrion back into a human. I guess it cures him of that the Carrion virus that was infecting him. And it seemingly kills Carnage as well. And of course, instead of being glad they stopped him, Spider-Man is just upset. You know, sometimes Spider-Man's a little too upset about someone's death. I mean, this is really self-defense at this point. I mean, I can't even call it murder or anything. I mean, you're trying to stop Carnage who's murdering people all over the city. 
But Spider-Man is, of course, sad, so everyone takes off, and Spider-Man decides to go reflect about this um, in a pond, and when Venom appears behind him, and uh, Venom is pissed off because he did not kill... Um, actually, I'm not sure. why is. Oh, yeah, because, why is Venom pissed off? Because he's Venom. This is not a story that allows you much time to really gain too much thought on any of the subplots. No, it really doesn't. I, I think Spider. I think Venom is just pissed that he he didn't get to do it himself. He didn't get to you know end Carnage himself. But have no worries, Venom, because Carnage is alive. He emerges from the pond. He, he and apparently they just faked his death. He covered someone else in the symbiote to make it look like he he had died. But it, like, oh, or something, I guess. On. Which is is absolutely ridiculous because they saw Cletus Cassidy with. I mean, they wouldn't they recognize that it wasn't Cletus Cassidy? But anyway, so again, Venom uh, Carnage is not dead. We now move on to the final part, Spider Man Unlimited number two. We finally get, as they say in pro wrestling, the three way dance because uh, it starts off. It's, it's basically three characters are all fighting each other because Spider Man and Venom are still going at it a bit. Um, this is when we hear that Sp- that Carnage faked his death or blah 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 by covering him. Another victim in a symbiote. Uh, this epic battle ensues. It pretty much takes up, uh, you know, the whole issue. At one point, Venom rips off Carnage's face, but it just reforms over it. Uh, they also, of course, Spider-Man's still nursing those ribs. They got to remind us uh, here at the end. Um, we have a, a pointless scene where Morbius and Nightwatch are talking. They decide they're buddies. They, they don't know if they're friends or not, and maybe they'll see each other again. And they part ways. No reason for that. That page to even be in there. Uh, Carnage returns to the cell that he was born in. I'm not sure, really sure why. Maybe he was feeling nostalgic. Maybe he thought he could uh, grow his powers more there. I'm not really sure. They don't explain it. And uh, so does Venom, who follows him here. They're having a big battle in the police station. Uh, meanwhile, Richard Parker is still an asshole, and he isn't. He isn't even happy that the that the the thing in the city is over, um, and that you know people are returning normal. He's just always there, being pissed off, and he says, "Look, there's always monsters out there," at which little Normie says that he wishes some monsters could come back. Of course, referring to his dead daddy, the Green what Goblin. What type of kid says that? I know, a really creepy so one. So weird. A really creepy kid, that son, the son of goblins. Uh, Carnage and Venom are still going at it. Meanwhile, MJ and Spider-Man, they they kiss and make up. Um, Cass, he's not involved in this battle. He's, he's taken off. I guess he just left this thing to Venom now. Uh, ghosts are haunting uh, Cletus Cassidy. I don't know why Spider-Man took this break just to go see MJ real quick. I guess he was just recovering from that battle for 10 minutes because he goes right back out. And uh, right in just in time to, to again stop Venom from killing Carnage for like the third time during this. And then, of course, Spidey and Venom have to battle again. Uh, then they follow uh, Carnage to this, it was his mom's grave. Um, Sp- uh, Carnage makes a funny Wonder Years reference. He's like, when they interrupt him at the at the, uh, at the grave, he's just like, they don't behave like this in the Wonder Years. I thought that was just a weird reference to one of my favorite shows uh, as a child. Um, and then another time, Spider-Man stops. So twice in this issue, Spider-Man has to stop Venom from murdering Carnage. Uh, but then Black Cat is back. She had been injured for a while here and she saves Spider-Man at the last minute. Again, why she'd be a much better better match for Spider-Man. For than, every, than every reason under the sky. For a million different reasons. Uh, Venom dives and crashes Carnage's in, into these generators uh, that apparently kill him, and they all assume he is dead. Meanwhile, we see kind of you know Venom kind of off to the side and injured. And of course, the Avengers then show up. Uh, you know, a little too fucking late, guys. Here, right, right at the end of this whole thing, um, and we see this weird version of the Avengers, but that has just like just just like the Vision and Thunderstrike, who is like a fake Thor, basically a fake shitty Thor, uh, who I actually likes it. And I think I'm going to go through the Thunderstrike series at some point because I actually enjoyed oh, that the in the 90s. 90s. Oh, the 90s, when there was weird, shitty versions of every character out there. Um, and that is pretty much the end of our story. Uh, they pretty much just ended right there. There's not much uh, soliloquy at the end. This thing was was pretty much all action. But um, I, we can't judge this the same way we might judge another book, per se, that has the same writer and artist. But let's just give our thoughts on the overall, you know, the overall story here. Was it worth doing 14 parts of this? And uh, kind of what effect did it have on, on comics going forward? 
I mean, it certainly elevated the the status of Venom and Carnage to really higher tier villains. But, you know, this tactic that they obviously used in order to elevate all of Marvel's other cast, um, it, it fails at that because it just feels like it's wrong and no one really gets a chance to shine. As a Spider-Man story, is it essential? Yeah, because there's there's going to be a lot that goes back to it. But is there any reason why I think uh, anyone should go back and really want to collect this? No. Maybe yes, because it was one of the first major Spidey stories that crossed over with other characters and stuff like that. But my God, it, it was a it was a mess. It was a mess and a cash grab. And I... I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, this pretty much was, uh, yeah, this is an era where everyone was doing it. All the big characters in mo- both Marvel and DC had four titles each, and they would always try to do uh, things to tie, to make, if you if you liked the character, you were forced to, like, kind of buy all of these issues. Uh, and again, it did really work in the short term, but in the long term, it really just caused uh, a lot more, uh, it really led to a lot more of the, the kind of the bubble of the 90s that would lead to a lot of oh, comic shops oh, going out yeah, of business but, and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, but here's another thing. Let me go ahead and read off all of the writers Tom DeFalco, uh, J.M. DeMattis, Terry Cavanaugh, David uh, Michelin. You needed four writers for this. Yeah. yeah. If you have more than two writers, if it's if it's more than just a main writer and then maybe the artist contributing to the story as a writer, maybe. Maybe you won't have three writers if it's that big. Yeah. But this was everybody trying to have their big splash page moment. And when you have so many chiefs in the tribe – I mean, it, it's just not going anywhere. And we've seen this with other things. I mean, uh, gosh, I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, there were a few other story arcs where you had like 20 writers involved. And it's just like, this is, this is such a mess. Such a mess. Such I mean, the, mess. Story, the story drags. That's the thing about it. it. It drags so much. It should not have been 14 parts. Yeah, not at all. Like I, This felt like it could have been if they just pared it down, maybe cut like eight of the characters out that we didn't need. It could have been a pretty good four to six issue miniseries, just detailing Carnage coming back. Uh, I'm cool if they have him team up with Shriek and even Doppelganger Spidey. We can probably stop there, though. And then, uh, you know, have this little battle with Venom uh, and Spider-Man and kind of tell their whole story, show some of the transition of Venom from uh, villain to sort of anti-hero. I mean, I think it could have been a pretty good story. I wish it was just like Mark Bagley and, and you know, Tom DeFalco doing the whole thing or some, some just kind of cohesive um, creative team uh, and, and being much shorter. But that was was not the point of this. The point of this, even though they say they were just trying to make a story at Marvel, that's what, that's what DC said about Death of Superman. We we're just trying to make a great story. It wasn't about sales. Well, come on. It's always about sales. So it was about getting maximum sales. And they did get huge sales out of this. And I think it, it did boost all the Spider-Man books, at least temporarily. Uh, because if you were a fan of one, you were going to you were gonna see this whole thing. These are all very popular characters. Uh, not just Spider-Man, of course, but Carnage and, and Venom as well. Venom was you know becoming hugely popular at this time. Uh, so, it, but yeah, it was a cash grab. It was a. It did work as a cash grab, and it did lead to a lot of cash for Marvel in terms of games, in terms of uh, theme park rides. They licensed um, the hell out of this. Yeah, they licensed the hell out of this. So you can't really call it anything except a success from a financial business standpoint. But from a story standpoint, it, it had its moments. Well. It had its moments, but no reason for it to be fourteen parts. It's hard to rate art consistently over four issues. I mean, Bagley's art is like a nine, or you know, to me, or a four. I guess if we're doing, you know. The, the, the five and five my my biggest thing is my th- my biggest thing is and you know you have to look at the process you have the 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 pencilers the colorists and the anchors you're doing all this within 14 weeks you've got the writers trying to make sure their points come across because of that i think towards the last like four, uh three four issues of the se- 
series, everything just seems lesser. It seems like they're trying to make certain things bigger and certain things splashier as an excuse for lack of detail. Um, I, I feel comfortable giving this really just a generic reading because this, I'm, you know, I'm going to put them all in like a team project. So that yeah, was I never resolved well. Uh, I give, I give the art a 2.5 and I give the writing a 2.5 for a total score, a Remso score of five out of 10. I don't want to steal this concept. So I want to give credit where it's credit due, where credit is due. This is something that the weird science DC guys do. Uh, I really love that show. I'm giving them a free ad. Not that they need the publicity for us. They're much bigger than we are, Uh, but I love what they do. And one thing they do if they really don't like something, it gets a five and they call it the fuck you five. It's worse. <laughs> it, it's worse than getting a two because a two, it could almost be so bad that it's, it's enjoyable to talk about cause it's so bad. But the fuck you five is just like, this wasn't even good and it wasn't even bad enough to enjoy in a bad way. So that's why it's a fuck you five. Uh, and I, when, before you even broke down things there, I already had five in my mind and I think that's it's appropriate. Crazy. I think it's appropriate to give this a fuck you five because while it has its moments, I can't in good faith recommend anyone trying to read this entire arc. At I mean, all. I mean, read a summary on on Wiki Marvel Wiki, and you'll be fine. Uh, go play the video game; that's probably fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is not. It has its moments, just like you know, by moments I mean basically. I think the best moment of this whole thing is, is the, the splash page where Captain America shows up. Um, that's that's pretty much the best moment in the whole thing. So the best moment in, in Maximum Carnage, uh, Spider Man arc, a huge Spider Man crossover, uh, was with Captain America. So I guess that should pretty much that should pretty much sum it up. So I'm gonna also give it. I'm gonna steal this concept. It's not stealing. I'm giving credit. I'm giving this thing a fuck you five as well. I feel comfortable with that. I'm at peace with that. we got to come up with something else because i don't want to keep stealing their concept every week but for now on the fly i'm gonna give one shout out and give this bitch a fuck you five so goodbye maximum carnage i think this is definitely our worst reviewed uh storyline to date so i'm I'm glad because i don't want it to seem like we're just the happy go lucky we love everything we we review uh you know you know podcasters here we uh we can have a critical eye when it's necessary and it's hard to say much good of this outside of a few moments here and there so I, i think with that We're going to wrap this puppy up. We're going to be here next week where Remzo will be taking the reins once again as we go back and forth each and every week. Just want to remind everybody out there to give us those five-star ratings and great reviews on Apple Podcasts. That is the easiest, cheapest way to help us grow this show, of course, to do that in a more expensive way, more expensive than zero. We have several different tiers, but you can support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And don't forget to find us as well over on the North-South Connection feed along with all sorts of amazing uh, pro wrestling and pop culture content. Remzo, anything else for us as we wind down here find us all on social media and just know you can go ahead and join the second print comics fan zone we're limiting that to 50 people then where it's uh, only a patreon exclusive perk we've got 15 slots left at the time of recording get in before we make you pay for it as always i'm remsa w martinez and i'm marvelous mark claire read comics change the world good night america good night folks Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.